Good afternoon, my fellow Americans. Welcome back to America First. I'm your host, JWR. Uh, sorry about the past couple, or missing the past couple, uh, last Sunday and last Wednesday. Uh, we just moved into a new house, so we were kind of busy. But uh, we're back on track. So, we have a few things to talk about today, but before we get into that, we have our weekly segment of Today in History. Today in History, in 1836, after 13 days of fighting, 1,500 to 3,000 Mexican soldiers overwhelm the Texan defenders at the Alamo, killing 182 to 257 Texans, including William Travis, Jim Bowie, and Davy Crockett. Bloody day. Bloody battle. And, uh... Well, you guys know the history behind it. But without further ado, time to get back on track and on to the news. First, a 25-year CNN executive has joined Project Veritas as an executive producer. During an exclusive interview released last week, Patrick Davis explained why he left CNN after giving blood, and, blood sweat, and tears to the network. He told Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe a wide range of issues pushed, uh, pushed him to leave CNN, but stressed the FBI raid against the homes of Project Veritas journalists was the final straw. Do you know what made me decide to come here? It was the FBI raid, Davis explained. I thought it was the biggest abridgment to the First Amendment probably in maybe the history of this country. For the FBI to go blowing into the doors of journalists, it was unheard of. Davis, who previously worked at CNN's Washington Bureau, said journalism has become more info infotainment than real news, and there is a strong need to return to ethical reporting. He believes it's time to get back to the basics of journalism while noting media outlets need to tell the news about a spin. He added, Americans can decide for themselves what to think. Davis emphasized the importance of objective reporting and how the field has taken a sharp turn in the opposite direction. He went on to criticize networks who claim to be the middle of the road, but ultimately take a firm stance on one side of an issue while bashing the other. On investigative journalism, Davis said he's hungry for journalists to dive in and examine what corporations and politicians are doing, not just re relaying what they are saying at the press conferences. Meanwhile, the former executive condemned CNN for losing its way, saying the network used to air unbiased news, but has since shifted to fit a certain narrative. Now that he's with Project Veritas, Davis said he hopes to accomplish bigger things and investigate stories that tell the truth on issues. Next, a suspect is in custody in Portland, Oregon after allegedly stealing a car with a toddler in the backseat and it's all thanks to the brave actions of a bystanders. Uh, on Friday, Portland police arrested 40-year-old Justin Hill after he allegedly stole a car with a 3-year-old in the backseat. The toddler was left in the car seat for a moment with the engine running in the front yard of a resident when the suspect sped off with the vehicle. The boy's father chased after the suspect for several blocks, crashing his car into him and was able to retrieve his son, who was not injured in the incident. The father told passing motorists what had happened, and that's when T.P. Brown Jr. sprung into action. I immediately floored it and pinned him against the fence. I asked him not to move until police get there, explained the motorist. At that point, he tried to climb the fence. I got out of my car and grabbed him and detained him. 
With the help of an on-duty Amazon driver, Brown Jr. secured the suspect with a rope until authorities arrived on the scene to take over. The suspect now faces several charges, including kidnapping in the second degree. Brown Jr. doesn't consider himself a hero. Instead, he said the present times just call for people to look out for one another. And I agree. Make sure you're watching each other's backs out there and staying safe. You know, like that said, I mean, it can happen anywhere in your neighborhood. Anywhere. So just keep an eye out and uh, keep yourself safe out there. Next, the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives lifted its mask mandate ahead of Joe Biden's State of the Union address. The Office of the Attending Physician said lawmakers and their staff will no longer have to wear face masks due to a low level of COVID transmission. However, those who test positive for COVID or have symptoms are still advised to wear masks. Republicans have denounced mask mandates as political theater, adding Democrats are ditching masks to make Biden's address look good. This comes as the Capitol Physicians Office also promoted coronavirus vaccines, boosters, and taking daily COVID tests at home. Meanwhile, Capitol Police reinstalled the inner perimeter fencing around the Capitol building ahead of Biden's State of the Union address. Chief Tom Manger shared a statement Sunday saying the increased security measures were made in collaboration with the Secret Service. Chief Manger also said the move is out of an Abundance of caution ahead of the People's Convoy, which is expected to descend on Washington, D.C. several days after Biden's address. Other security measures include establishing National Guard checkpoints around the city. Capitol Police assert the heightened security is to ensure the important work of Congress is allowed to go uninterrupted. So it seems things are about to liven up there. So if you're living there in Washington, you know, just stay safe. Stay out of the way. (laughs) Don't want to get mixed up in that and all that stuff. But uh, next, the U.S. State Department is advising American uh, citizens who are in Russia to leave the country immediately, according to a security alert released by the U.S. Embassy in Moscow Sunday. Commercial airlines are canceling flights to and from Russia. The U.S. Embassy added Americans should consider leaving Russia while some commercial options are still available. This comes amid elevated global tensions as Russia continues its invasion of Ukraine. Several NATO members, uh, NATO member states have since closed their airspace to Russian planes, which has put international travel at risk of major disruptions. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has killed more than 100 civilians, including seven children and injured over 300 others. United Nations Human Rights Chief Michelle Banchelet uh, gave the update Monday while also expressing she fears the death toll could be much higher. Benjamin met with Ukrainian and Russian ambassadors for a UN Human Rights Council session in Geneva, and they all agreed to hold an urgent debate on week on this this week on Russia's invasion. More than 500,000 people have been forced to flee Ukraine, and Benjamin said the attack on the country is putting countless lives at risk. Ukraine's ambassador to the UN and Russia's attack on Ukraine uh, is an attack on every UN member state. Uh, Most of these civilians were killed by explosive weapons with a wide impact area, including shelling from heavy artillery and multi-launch rocket systems and airstrikes, Banchelet explained. Meanwhile, Russia's ambassador claims they launched special operations to stop tragedy in Donbas, and its forces were not firing at civilians. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres uh, condemned Russia's assault 
and said the global body must show Ukraine that they stand with them during their time of need. A Ukrainian delegation arrived in Belarus to hold talks with Russian officials. Ukraine said its goals for Monday discussions include an immediate ceasefire and Russian forces to withdraw from Ukraine. However, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko has allowed Russian President Vladimir Putin to use Belarus as a staging ground for his invasion to Ukraine. Nonetheless, Belarus Foreign Minister Vladimir Mackay said both delegations should feel safe. Dear friends, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko asked me to welcome you and offer all necessary facilities for your work as it was discussed with Presidents Zelensky and Putin, McKay stated. You may feel absolutely safe. It's our sacred duty. President Lukashenko hopes that during these talks today, uh, Monday, you will manage to find the solutions to all crucial issues. All Belarusians are praying for you. All your requests and proposals at today's meeting will be taken into account and action. Before Monday's meeting, Ukrainian President uh, Vladimir Zelensky said he wasn't expecting there to be any major breakthrough. Next, Pentagon officials provided an update discussing the upcoming movement of U.S. forces in Europe as well as Russian President Vladimir Putin's actions over his invasion of Ukraine. On Monday, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby announced additional security assistance packages coming to the aid for Ukrainians to help them defend their country. The kinds of material that are going to be in these security systems packages uh, going forward, I think you've rightly said with detail, Kirby stated, it's going to be some weapons that can support them on the ground as well as weapons that could support the airborne challenges they have. And I think I and I think we feel comfortable going about that far. With the invasion pressing forward, the Pentagon officials stressed Russian forces have set their sights on the capital city of Kyiv. Uh, Kirby also emphasized that they believe Russia's intent is to move into the capital. Make no mistake, Mr. Putin still has, his, has at his disposal significant combat power, said the press secretary. He hasn't moved all of it into Ukraine, but he's moved the majority of it. He still has a lot that he hasn't moved into Ukraine. They continue to want to move on Kyiv, capture Kyiv, to take Kyiv, and although we don't know any, everything about this convoy, it is certainly in keeping with what we believe their intent with respect to the capital city. However, Kirby recommended the Ukrainians for putting up a strong resistance to invading Russian forces while pointing out the setbacks the Russians have encountered. What we also have seen is Ukrainians resisting quite effectively around, I think, continuously, and they have made it a tough slog for the Russians to move further south, he noted. The Russians have not only experienced this uh, stiff and determined resistance by the Ukrainians, but logistics and sustainment problems of their own. This is Russia's nuclear forces were placed on high alert on Sunday, a move Kirby denounced while assuring they are closely monitoring the situation and will take the necessary steps in securing the safety of the U.S. nation. We've seen Mr. Putin's announcement, we believe, uh, is as unnecessary as it is exclatory, ex, uh, exclatory. but we're reviewing and analyzing that announcement, Kirby stated, and I would only just tell you that 
as we continue to review and analyze and monitor, Secretary Austin is comfortable with the strategic currents posture of the United States and our ability to defend the homeland, our allies, and our partners. In the meantime, Kirby said, while it's not possible to know exactly what the Russian war plan is for Ukraine, it's believed their plans may have been delayed as a result of the unexpected resistance by Ukrainian forces. Looking ahead, he recommended caution in assessing the situation in Ukraine, especially when it relates to drawing conclusions about Russian military plans, efforts, or capabilities. Next, health experts are raising alarms about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on children's mental health. During the pandemic, parents have reported grief, anxiety, and depression among children while citing school closures and forced isolation as the primary culprits. Medical advisors say the majority of hospitalizations during the recent Omicron surge in adolescents were not for complications of COVID-19, but due to the behavioral health concerns, including suicidal thoughts. Many of the things that our children are now dealing with, school, jobs, losing parents, losing family members, losing classmates, the news, ever-changing world. We didn't have those things when we were growing up, said Natasha Pierre, Dean of Mental Health Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning. So the fatigue that adults are experiencing is also felt by our children, yet they lack the life experience and the vocabulary to articulate exactly what they're feeling. A CDC study from the past decade found that one in five teens have experienced bouts of depression during their lifetimes, numbers which health experts say have dramatically risen during the pandemic. Doctors are now calling on parents to pay keen attention to their children's mental health and take action in necessary uh, instances. It's important that if you see changes in your child, if they're doing, they're not doing well in school, if they're withdrawing from activities and their friends, if they're spending all their time in their rooms, if they're only on social media and don't really talk in person, those can all be red flags that something's happening, explained Dr. Christina Kennedy, medical director of Baycare Pediatric Service Line. Reports indicate overall emergency department uh, visits by children have decreased each year since 2020, while visits for chronic illness, injuries, mental health, and behavioral issues jumped during the same period. This comes as less than 1.5% of all pe uh, pediatric COVID-19 cases in the U.S. resulted in hospitalizations. The low severity of coronavirus among young Americans has notably prompted many GOP lawmakers and doctors to question if the lockdown had more damaging effects on children than the disease they were enacted to stop. So yeah, take care of your kids, you know, keep an eye on them, make sure they're not like, you know, depressed. They are, talk to them if need be get them help uh these are definitely tough times and it's it's only getting you know crazier so stay safe and take care of yourselves next iowa governor kim reynolds delivered the gop response to the joe biden state of the union address accusing him of failing to make america respected and united from the Iowa State Capitol building Tuesday, Reynolds began her speech by criticizing Biden's botched Afghanistan withdrawal and how the U.S. sanctions on Russia are inadequate. While wearing a pin of crossed American and Ukrainian flags, she noted Russia's invasion of Ukraine poses a threat to democracy, freedom, and the rule of law. 
Earlier, Biden had touted the U.S. to be stronger today than it was a year ago. However, Reynolds insisted the country has changed for the worse. This is not the same country it was a year ago, she noted. The president tried to paint a different picture tonight, but his actions over the last 12 months don't match the rhetoric. It's not what he promised when he took office. Reynolds referred to the pandemic as COVID-19 theater, pushing the idea Americans are tired of Democrats making the country a place where elites tell people what they can and cannot say and believe. The governor said Republicans are offering an alternative vision for how the country can operate, one that does not require government mandates. They continue to stress the importance of Americans making decisions for their own families and future. During her remarks, the governor attested that Biden has refused to protect the American people by allowing the ongoing border crisis to spiral out of control. Families also have every right to live in a safe space and a secure community, she stated, and that begins with a safe and secure country, but the Biden administration has refused to secure our border. They have refused to provide the resources to stop human trafficking, to stop the staggering influx of deadly drugs coming into our neighborhoods. They refuse to protect you. Reynolds also argued Biden has taken the country backwards for working families with runaway inflation, driving Americans to feel the pain as a result of his decisions. She accused the administration of calling rising prices a high-class problem, saying it's an everybody problem. Additionally, Reynolds blasted Washington, D.C. for spending trillions and sending inflation soaring while Republicans around the country are balancing budgets and cutting taxes. Towards the end of the governor's speech, she emphasized that Republicans are doing what they can to fill the nation's leadership vacuum. We're standing up for our parents and kids. We're standing up for life, said the Iowa governor. We're keeping our communities safe and thanking those in uniform. We're fighting to restore America's energy independence, and that includes biofuels. We're getting people back to work, not paying them to stay at home. Most of all, we're respecting our, your freedom. Reynolds closed her speech by quoting Iowa's state motto, asking Biden to remember that the greatness of this country lies within its people. Next, members of the Senate met with the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S. to discuss supplemental funding that could be given to the European country. On Monday, senators from both parties discussed options with Osana, Oksana Markarova in regards to furthering U.S. involvement with the Ukraine-Russia conflict. The meeting came while Congress works on providing arms, ammunition, and direct funding to the Ukrainian government as they continue to push back and invading Russian forces. Senator Mark Warner uh, said that he doesn't believe Russian President Vladimir Putin can win the war as even if he's victorious in Ukraine, he will have spent any goodwill from NATO and any other civilized country. Vladimir Putin will lose this battle, he will lose this war, stated the Virginia lawmaker. He will be a amongst not only NATO and America, but amongst all civilized nations around the world. That will be his legacy. Senator Marco Rubio concurred with Warner's characterization and went even further, saying he doesn't believe the Ukrainian people would accept a puppet government run by Putin. I don't know how Putin wins one way or the other, uh, said the Florida uh, lawmaker. Uh, he... Even if he crushes the military, he can't possibly. That country will never accept him for his puppet government that he leaves behind as their rightful leaders. Many of the senators, including Democrats, are also acknowledging that American energy independence is a national security issue more than anything. 
They pointed out that the U.S. buys over half a million barrels of oil every day from Putin's Russia. Senators believe that the time to drill in the U.S. is now, not only to keep U.S. energy prices down, but to help Europeans who will suffer after being cut off from Russian gas. Senator Lindsey Graham uh, noted that the ambassador is only asking for two things, a ban on Russian gas imports and further U.S. involvement through weapons sales as well as economic aid. The one thing we're not doing that would affect him the most is sanction on the oil and gas sector of Russian economy, explained the South Carolina lawmaker. The Ukrainian ambassador was begging for two things, go after Putin's oil and gas industry and continue to supply us with weapons and economic assistance. Senator Joe Manchin also believes that Putin's aggression needs to be countered by reversing course on energy. He said it's time for the U.S. to step up to the plate with energy production and end the ban on new drilling at home. We're buying over 600,000 barrels of day, uh, a day of crude from Russia, he stated. We've been doing this for quite some time, and I think that basically for us to set the example and ask the rest of the world to step up to the plate, we have to step up to the plate. That means basically reversing some of the decisions that have been made on no... Uh, on no leasing, not drilling, and basically cutting back. We need energy independence more now than ever before. The senators explained they are finishing the final details of legislation to provide more aid to the Ukrainians with committee chair uh, Chris Coons, while, nothing that, uh, while noting the details are in the scale of the package. As they try to work out a deal, Putin continues his offensive against Ukraine. The Russian president was reportedly hoping to take the country without much resistance, but is now bogged down in increasingly violent offensive campaigns to take outlying areas as he threatens to cut off Kyiv from supplies in an attempt at a final uh, epilation. Next. Senator Lindsey Graham introduced a resolution calling for an international court to investigate Russian President Vladimir Putin for war crimes. He, along with Representative Victoria Sparts, and, uh, announced, the, announced the measure in a press conference Wednesday, which supports a complaint filed by Ukraine in the International Criminal Court. The complaint alleges Putin committed a war crimes in Russia's ongoing attack on the sovereignty of the Ukrainian people. Graham denounced Putin as a war criminal and vowed to pursue justice for Ukraine. I will do everything in my power as long as it takes to be a voice for justice for the Ukrainian people, stated the lawmaker. To hold one of the most vicious people on the planet finally accountable, Putin and all of his cronies, enough of the murder, enough of the destruction, there will come a day when the rule of law trumps uh, the rule of the gun. Uh, the senator went on, to further, uh, went on to further discuss the possible consequences in the aftermath if Russia were to successfully invade Ukraine. If Ukraine falls to Putin, it will set in motion dire consequences for us as a nation. He asserted China will, take, will get the, the signal that they can take Taiwan. The Iranians will believe that we have no will to stop their nuclear ambitions. Graham also addressed the Russian people, emphasizing the U.S. understands there is a difference between them and Putin. And they, too, are a victim of his actions. Meanwhile, Sparks, the only Ukrainian-American in Congress, is also condemning the invasion of her native country. It's not a war. It's genocide and destruction and killing of people. They just killing, or they're just killing us like we are animals, she stated. 
It's awful. This is criminal. These people cannot get away with that. This comes after the International Criminal Court said earlier this week that it would seek court approval to open an investigation into alleged war crimes in the Eastern European nation. However, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said on Wednesday he believes Putin's actions toward Ukraine already qualify as a war crime. Looking ahead, the the sorry, Senator Graham said he hopes if the U.S. supports the complaint, more nations will follow suit. So yeah, like I said earlier, things are definitely definitely heating up and could possibly get worse for us as well as them. Now our hearts go out to the Ukrainians and hopefully they can hold you know, I don't know. I hopefully somebody's you know helps them out. But uh yeah. Anyway, on to the next. Students at University of South Florida took in a breath of fresh air as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis visited to make a big announcement at the USF campus Wednesday. Uh, the lawmaker announced a $20 million investment in cybersecurity workforce education, saying this will give young Floridians more opportunities and strengthen national security. DeSantis explained that USF will work with partners to explain programs for middle school, high school, and college students to obtain credentials in cybersecurity. He added funding will be used to train new teachers and purchase training equipment. Additionally, the chair of USF, USF Board of Trustees, Will Weatherford, stressed the importance of preparing for potential cyber attacks, which he described as a new type of warfare. Looking ahead, DeSantis expects Florida's new grant to double enrollment in cybersecurity IT pathways at a middle school, high school, and college level by 2024. He stressed investments like these are critical for strengthening national security. And that's all we have this week. I know there was a lot, and I'm sorry for missing the past couple uh, uploads. And, you know, I know most of it was Russian-Ukraine stuff, but, you know, that's big thing going on right now so we're trying to keep keep up to date on that and keep you up to date but i do thank you for listening in on today's episode be sure that you check out previous episodes to stay up to date uh, you can follow us on twitter at capital s lowercase cmbag capital n any and all profits including sponsor revenue and viewer donated revenue will be donated to the series fund network for disabled kids so if you do decide to donate to us you know where your money is going but until the next time America, I've been your host, JWR, and remember, stay informed, stay involved, and keep America first.